Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want to try something here. I, I want everybody to repeat after me. Yeah! Come on. Yeah. I want you to go boo. boo. All right. You jump in any way you want. I'm going to throw some stuff out. You let me know how you feel, okay? The Cowboys. Y'all going, are you talking 150 years ago? Are you talking about, okay. The Vikings. The Packers. I have no idea which side you're on. It's like, like, okay. Uh, Saltine crackers. Okay. Ice cream. Okay. Lasagna. Is there any booze on that one? Okay. Mexican food. I I hope you didn't have that for breakfast. All right. We'll know soon enough. Uh, how about the Bahamas? Yeah. Wow. Some of you are going, we've never been there. And I, as far as we've been is to Parker. Okay. Uh, how about reading, reading a good book? Yeah. Uh, how about sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. I know you're thinking, if you'd shut up, I could get back to it. All right. Pastor Reed. Yeah. Uh, there you go. See, now, why am I doing that? I could go on and on and we would shout, right? We would jump in either way or, or, or the other. But here's the bottom line. I don't think we actually think about it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press a little close to the heart. Everything we celebrate, whether good or bad, whatever we jump up for or not, speaks volumes about what we often think about, who we are as a person, and believe it or not, even what we believe. It's just true. I mean, it was Jesus who said these words, your mouth is going to tell everyone what's really in your heart. So some of you get really excited about football. We're coming into that season and and you'll jump up and man, whether they win or lose, you are a Viking fan and you want everybody to know that. That's because it's important to you. The question is, is do you, tell everybody about Jesus as much as you get excited about the Vikings. Now you can say whatever you want. Everybody around you already knows. What we celebrate says volumes. Whether we like it or not, it says something to the world around us. For instance, we're going to celebrate come this October, my wife and I, the birth of our first grandchild. It will speak volumes about how excited you are, right? My wife's social media, I trust me, will light up. Why? Because that's something that's dear to our heart. We're excited about that. This past 4th of July, when I celebrate Independence Day, which is really big to me, every, every year on Independence Day, I, I, I weep. I just cry. Because I'm so grateful for a gift called Freedom. I'm so grateful for a country in which I get to express that freedom. And I'm so grateful for all the men and the women who gave me that gift. So that's why I celebrate. It's important to me. It's a big deal. If I celebrate the Cornhuskers ever winning a football game, (laughs) it'll speak loudly to the world that I believe that hell froze over. Okay. Right. For all you Husker fans, it wouldn't matter anyway. All right. 
But, but what we celebrate, what we celebrate says a lot about, watch this, not only what we love, but who we love. Our mouths do speak what's in our heart. That's a fact. Even if your mouth doesn't say it, you might be frustrated that I've even said what I've said and God and the devil both know. You can never get away from that. But I say all this because Jesus was the ultimate celebrator. Oh my goodness, Jesus was a party animal. I mean, he's Pastor Reed on steroids. I'm telling you. You, you know, I mean, Hollywood paints this picture, and I think we bought into it, of this somber, stoic, where somehow he walked around, and he was like, bless you, my child. Well, he didn't bless no kid, because no kid was around. Ain't no kid going to hang out with that. The kids love Jesus. I mean, I, I love this. This is a picture of me, of what I think Jesus looks like. That's Jesus. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what the church is bought off on. That's a glimpse of who Jesus was. When Jesus came to town, the kids were like, yeah. In fact, I, you do what you want with it. I think Jesus lifted up robes and blew on their belly. And the kids were like, yeah. You know, he knew what it was like to throw a kid in the air and, and have fun and play in the mud and draw pictures. That's who Jesus was. Jesus got excited about things. But there was one thing that excited him the most. Does anybody know what it is? When lost people are found. I show you in scripture. Nothing was more important to Jesus than that. In fact, look at, look at Luke 15. We read it last week. And I want to help you with a couple words. The Bible says there's more joy in heaven. Do you know what the word joy actually means? The greatest of happiness, the highest of pleasure. In other words, if you read this phonetically right, based upon the Hebrew language or the Greek, it says this, nothing in heaven is more exciting than this. And here it is over one, one, one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed. See, when, when church people stop and start thinking about their needs, I have to ask, are they one of the lost that's yet to be found? They don't know it. Because the 99 never complained. They were perfectly thrilled when the shepherd left for the one. You know why? Because they used to be the one. And they're doing the same thing. That's why they're out in the open country. They're not in their holy huddles sitting around thinking about, what about me? They got over me when they got saved. And then they're all about now the joy, the joy when other people are where they're supposed to be. And that's found. Amen to that? I mean, look at it this way. Have you ever lost something? Anybody ever lost a bill fall? <laughs> Never? Okay. You ever lost your cell phone? All right. Did you ever turn to someone and say, praise be to God, I lost my phone and can't find it? <laughs> I've never met anybody like that. How about a child? I've shared before, I won't give you the details. I've shared a long time ago, but we lost a child once. 
at Disney World in Epcot. I will never forget. Jordan was just a little girl. And we were with family and we got distracted and all of a sudden someone said, where's Jordan? And we had left one side of the park and we were at the other side of the park. She didn't see we had left because she was enjoying the moment and seeing things around her. When she turned around, we're not there. We're on the other side of the park and she's not there. I, I can still feel the unbelievable pain. I'll get a little emotional because I remember the horror of my little girl. But I also remember the joy, I'll never forget that, when we walked in to the Disney, if you will, front office area and there was my little girl. And she wasn't happy to see me, it was really strange. Um, but the joy, because they, they surrounded her with Mickey, man. I mean, she was, they, they know how to do it. But if we lose something that really doesn't have value when we really think about it, a billfold, a cell phone, how much greater, if we're really a truly follower of Jesus, should our joy be when someone comes to know Jesus? My question is, do we actually have those feelings? If not, I think today we need to ask why. In the book, Lost in America, Tom Clegg and Warren Bird point out, and I quote, within the next 24 hours, this is true regardless of when the book's ever written, it was written. Within the next 24 hours, several thousand people in the United States of America will die without knowing Jesus. And they will spend an eternity separate from him as a result. That breaks my heart. Does it break yours? Because it's why Jesus came. It's why Jesus came. For the Son of Man, the Bible says in Luke 19, for the Son of Man, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That's what he came for. He didn't come to make our lives as Christians better and easier, more convenient. He saved you that you would then be a part of helping save others. That's what matters most to the Father, to the Son, and it should matter to us, right? That's why we talked last week about communicating hope because we live in a hopeless world. We talked about it last week where, where people lose their way. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. People lose their way, people get angry, they're frustrated, might be mad at God, mad at something, but life just doesn't seem fair. They don't know where to go with that. They do some of the craziest of things and there's so many people who just feel alone. And the church has the answer. It's Jesus. And they're never gonna experience the answer if we're not giving them the answer. That's why we need to always be a church communicating hope. But what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about if we're gonna communicate hope, why? And it's really joy when we understand joy. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to take them out to Luke 15. We're gonna look at the same three parables, but we're gonna look at how they all end. And I'm gonna help you with something that so many people don't understand about joy, what joy really is. So if you got your notes, you can write this in. Here's the first thing, finding the lost, which means that's what we should be doing, right? We should leave the 99 to go out, bring them, get them and bring them home. That's what we should be about. Finding the lost, communicate, communicating hope is what we do. Watch this, even though people can be foolish, it always equals joy. And I'm gonna help you with this. What did I just say? We communicate hope even though people can be foolish, because people can be foolish, right? It always equals joy. 
And you'll understand what I'm saying in just a moment. Look at, look at the parable, Luke 15, verse 3 through 6. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he notice the expectation? It's the natural thing we do. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Until he finds it. And when he does, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors. I love this. His friends and then people he probably doesn't even know. He calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I want you to notice the joy and the celebration, the calling of friends, the coming together. I just love this story. Here's the bottom line. Nothing excites Jesus more than when a lost person's found. Now here's why. You might want to write this down. Joy is the end of the story. It's not the beginning of the story. Joy is always the end of the story, not the beginning of it. You see, life to the full isn't how it starts. It's how it ends. And that brings joy to Jesus. I've said it many times, starters are a dime a dozen, but finishers are one in a million. There's a reason for that. You see, joy doesn't care about how something begins. It doesn't get lost in the moment. Joy's all about the end. It's all about the end. And I'll show it to you. In Hebrews 12, it says this, that it was the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. Now watch this. It was the joy set before him. Jesus knew how it was going to end. Jesus knew a resurrection was coming. Jesus knew that he would overcome death. Therefore, but a moment of time, there's almost a sense of spiritual cockiness on the cross. That's why he could save someone in the midst of the most horrific of pain. That's why he could take care of his family in the most horrific of pain. Why? Because he knew he was going to come from that grave. He knew how it was going to end. And see, when you have hope, you understand how it ends. And you always believe it'll end that way because we serve the victorious God. That's why I wonder when COVID hit, it seemed that the church got real hopeless. Why? Why? I'm really asking the question, why? It's a pandemic. People might die. That's the point. I hope I die. I don't want you to pray me to come live forever down here. You want this cesspool? Rock your socks off. You can have it. That's why I make statements. Christians should have a death wish. See, I don't think we understand it. We get freaked out about the temporal when we serve the eternal and the eternal's already won. Victoria's already been set. It's all done. It's finished. That's what he said. Complete. Got it. Done. Woo. Party time. But we don't walk that way. Why is that? We seem hopeless. Maybe because we don't understand the joy that's before us. 
Whatever I face, it's temporal at best. One day I'm going to hear God say, well done, welcome home. It's a good day. See, that's the witness the world needs to see. But my house burned down. We'll build a new one. It's just a house. Doctor told me I have cancer. I only have so many months to live. Well, dear God, the world's going to get those few months. They're going to hear about me and Jesus. Because here's the deal. I don't care how long you live. It's just a moment in time. The joy set before us is why we communicate hope. We look at people not at where they're at and get lost in it. We see the end. I'm going to show you that. Joy is about how it ends. That's why God is the great optimist, if you will, of all people. Because when he looks at broken, he sees them restored in what could be. Now, they may not choose it, but he sees it. The question is, do we go through life that way? It's how it ends that matters. That's what it's about. Folks, listen to this. Sheep don't intentionally get lost. I don't know if you've figured this out. A sheep doesn't wake up one morning and think, oh, I think I'm going to get lost today. Bah. Okay, that's, that's not what a sheep does, right? Sheep think of one thing, grass. That's what sheep think. They think, how can I eat it? How can I smoke it? I don't know. All right. But, 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 but okay. Forgot it. Anyway, anyway, sheep, sheep get up, sheep get up. And this is what they do. Grass, head down, eyes the same, and they get lost. And we're not much different. That's why the Bible says over and over, look up, look up, look up. Those are all throughout scripture. Why? Because our natural tendency is we think we know. Head down, eyes the same. Head down, got to go to work today. Got to get it done. Got to finish the contract. Got to make it good. Got to do this. Got to do that. And when we look up for a moment, we're lost. If you're not, I promise you, God will make sure he keeps your head down until you are lost. Because you will never be found until you understand how lost you are. We're lost. Think about it this way. Have you ever thought to yourself, how in the heck did I get here? You know, we stood at the altar holding her hands. Have you ever got the point, how the heck did my marriage get so far from what I thought? You ever had that with your finances? How did I get, how did this happen? We're so in trouble. We're sheep. Desperately need a shepherd. And God understood that. You need to own it, people. Look at someone right now and say, I'm full of sheep. <laughs> Some of you are like, I can't believe he keeps talking like that. I don't know. I can't believe you keep thinking like that. Because I'm actually quoting scripture. Watch. We are all like sheep. We are all like sheep. Not just some. We've all like sheep. We've all strayed. Watch this. We have all left God's path to follow our own way. Because we just think we know. Bah, bah. 
And we're, we're not that smart. If we're so smart, then explain the world we're living in right now, folks. Probably because some are arrogant thinking, well, if they just listen to me, thank God. <laughs> what we need to do is listen to God, right? Head down, eyes the same. Why we need a shepherd? That's why, but watch this. But Jesus, but Jesus doesn't care that we find ourselves where we should not be. Jesus cares about getting us back where we were purposed and created to be. And that's why the Bible says he's not slow that you think people are slow. He doesn't want anyone to perish. There's something about the heart of God saying, I don't care how far they're away from me. They're going to come to me. Let's get the party ready. They're going to come home. That's hope. When you carry the heart of God, believing no matter how far someone's lost, that by the grace of God and through my prayers to God, they're going to come home. And when they are, we don't care where they've been. We're just glad they're home. That's what matters to God. That's joy. Do you have that joy? Don't answer it because we're going to talk about it. I want you to welcome my daughter. She's going to come and share. Well, good morning, Celebrate. My name is Jaden, and I'm one of the pastors here at Celebrate. And obviously, you probably can tell, but I am pregnant. And I said this last night at the worship night that we had here. And um, at my appointment on Monday, my doctor was like, the baby's going to come in six to seven weeks, no later than that. So it is wild. It is crazy. And before we even left the parking lot, I got into the car and my husband looked at me. He's like, are we even ready to have this baby in six to seven weeks? And honestly, we're not, but it is crazy. It is wild, but we are excited. And one thing that I've learned through my pregnancy is we talk a lot about accountability. Like it's great to have accountability partner. And maybe that's, you, maybe you guys have accountability partner where they help you with your spiritual life, maybe emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, and it's great to have accountability partner. And one thing that I, I've really learned is I've grown in my accountability with being pregnant. Because when you constantly have a baby kicking you all day and all throughout the night, you start to feel really accountable that there's another generation coming behind mine. And that what we do and what we say and how we live and how we lead really matters. And there's been a shift in my faith with that because what I do, how I live, what I say, how I treat others, how I live my life, how I see lost people, that's gonna really affect my child and my children to come. And I wanna see God do something huge. And we look at our culture and we, we could say, maybe we look at the news, we look at politics and we say, Things are really bad right now. But I want to see God do something huge through our nation, in our church, in our community. But the thing is, God is always willing to do something huge. It's, is, are his people willing to step into it? So Pastor Keith gave us our first point this morning, and that was finding the lost even though they were foolish. That still equals joy. And our second point this morning is finding the lost, even if they have been neglectful. 
Even if they had been neglectful, it equals joy. We also read this parable last week. It's Luke 15, 8 through 10. It says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And even when she, and when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that's something worth celebrating. And this lady, she lost her coin due to her neglect, due to her carelessness. At one point, she, she forgot about the coin and it got lost. And then she realized, I lost my coin, I need to find it. And she was so desperate that she lit a lamp, swept her whole house, and she didn't give up searching for it until she found it. And when she does, she gathers all of her friends, all of her neighbors, people that she might not know, and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And when we lose something, it's, we celebrate when we find it, right? If we, we, lo- we lose our wallet, we lose our phone, we lose our keys, especially when we're trying to get out the door and we can't find the stuff that we need to get out the door, it's really frustrating. But when we find it, we're like, okay, now I can go, now I can move on. And there's, we're, we're relieved. And there's joy when we find something that we're looking for. It's the searching where our faith and frustration is tested. And there's a parallel happening in this story. If we look at this woman and we look at the coin, this woman represents Jesus, and the coin represents us when we were lost. So again, Jesus doesn't care what we've done to find ourselves not where we should be. All he cares about is getting us back to where we belong. And if you want to flip it, if we know Jesus, we represent the woman in this story. And the coin represents the lost people that we find around us, maybe our friends, our family, our coworkers. And just like this woman in the story, the questions we should be asking ourselves is, do we search just as hard as the woman in the story to find lost people? The people that don't know Jesus that are around us, do we really care about them? Does it break our heart that they don't know Jesus? And the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do we truly know Jesus? Because if it doesn't break our heart, we do have to ask that question to ourselves. The word says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And when we look at America, people would ask the question, is America far too gone? Is our nation far too gone? Is the next generation, my generation, far too gone? And I would say the question has never been, is it in God's plan to save America, to save my generation? The only question is, will God find in us our full devotion to him? Because if we're fully devoted to God, we're fully devoted to reaching the lost people. We're fully devoted to reaching Maybe my generation where you think, oh, they're, they're, a little str- they're a little strayed. They need to get back on track. If we're fully devoted to God, we're going to get fully devoted followers. Leonard Ravenhill says, the only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. The only reason we still have lost people around us is because we are okay with them letting them stay there. 
And I believe God is calling us as a church, as a community, honestly, as a nation, to holiness. Because our lives, every one of us, have to be fully surrendered and fully devoted to God so God can use us. D.L. Moody once said, The Lord has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. And the word consecrated, that means devoted, dedicated. And I believe we'll get a fully devoted nation to God when we all get an audacious faith in God first. Because it first starts with us. We have to believe God is, will do something big because God is always willing to do something big. It's are his people willing to step into it. I want to see revival happen in this nation. I want to see revival happen in my generation. I want to see revival happen in this church, in this community, and God is always willing to do that. We live in a world where everyone is looking for a purpose and looking for a mission. And I do hear Christians, people that I walk with, or just people like in our church, I've heard people say, I don't really know what my purpose is. I don't know what my calling is. And I would say, if you don't know what your purpose is, why don't you join his? Why don't you join God's? Because there is a a purpose. There is a mission that God calls all of us to participate in. He invites us into that, you and I, to participate in. Because God said, I didn't just come to save the lost, I came to seek them out. And we have to be people who seek out lost people. We can't neglect them. Our faith was built for revival, radical revival. Not just some small revival, radical revival if we truly love Jesus with our hearts. Our church here is not about creating a community where we just get to come, sit, and take on a Sunday morning. We are looking for men and women of all ages, young, even the kids in the children ministry, even up to the older crowd in this room. We are looking for men and women that say, I want to partner with God and other believers and be a part of reaching the lost, the lost people around us, because all of us have different relationships with people, and we touch with different people at different times. The same person that I would run into, you guys wouldn't run into them. And I have a chance to lead them to Jesus and to show them Jesus. And it's simple. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. And if you're asking, what's the mission of Celebrate? We talk about that a lot. Every week we get up here and talk about what our vision is, what our mission is. And our mission is to what? meet Jesus, and our mission is to be Jesus, and that's exactly what we're talking about, and that's the same mission that every church should have. Every church should have that mission, is to want to meet Jesus and to desire to go and be Jesus, because that's the mission that God called the church to be, to go and make disciples of all nations, go and make disciples, go and make followers of, with all people, people who don't look like you, Don't act like you. Don't talk like you. Jesus came with a mission, and the church was formed to fulfill that mission, not the other way around. We have to go out and seek the lost. We cannot neglect them. Because when when we do lead the people around us to Christ, that's something to celebrate. That's something to find joy in. 
And yes, it's hard to walk with people who maybe not, they don't respond right away to Jesus. Maybe they continue to walk away. But if we stay in God's will, if we stay walking with Jesus, he's going to give us the right words. He's going to give us the right time. Because in due time, he will lift them up and they will come to know him. And just like I said, I want to see God do something big. And I believe God has already done some huge things in the life of our church. And I've, I've, we've seen so many people come to know Christ that were so far away from him. We've seen people get baptized up here. And that's why we celebrate, because it, they're, they're getting cleaned of their sins. They're coming into new life with Christ. That's why we celebrate. That's why we cheer when we have baptism up, up here on stage. God is always willing to do something big. It's, are his people willing to step into it? And are we willing to step into that as a church? That's a question that we need to be asking all of us in our own personal lives. The people that are around me every day, my coworkers, my friends, my family who don't know Jesus, am I willing to step into what God has called me to do as a Christian? Is it continue to walk with them and lead them to Christ? Because that's important. There's joy to be found in that. I'm going to invite the team to come, and let me just have you quickly write this in. Number three, finding the lost. That's what we're supposed to be doing, communicating hope. Regardless if they've been rebellious equals joy. Regardless if they've been rebellious. Luke 15, very popular, very, if you will, known story, parable in the Bible, the prodigal son. And there's a verse in verse 12 of the chapter, it says, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the state. So few people understand what's happening in this moment. It seems that a young son is simply saying, listen, dad, just want to go try some things on my own. But that's not what he says to his dad. According to history, when you study it back in that day, what the listeners heard Jesus communicating was this. The younger one said to his dad, dad, I wish you were dead. For an inheritance to be received, it was never given. The father would have to be dead and then it would be entrusted to them. I can't imagine what it was like for a dad to hear his own son say, I wish you were dead. I can't imagine. Bible says that he divided up his property between them, which was so unheard of. Not long after the younger son got it together, all he had, he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living, of course, because he thought he knew, head down, eyes the same. But I think the reason we love this story and why it resonates with so many is not because the son, because I think we all can relate, it's the father. No matter how much the son took a shot at him, it's what the father did. I think it's why we love it. In the midst of our rebellious hearts, God still sees the end, what could be. Bible says that he's a long way off, the boy, when he comes home, which tells you that the father is waiting for him to come, believing he's going to return home. It's such a beautiful story. He doesn't even wait when he sees the boy. 
his head gracing, if you will, the edge of the earth coming down that road. The Bible says the father jumps up and runs to him. Quick, bring, bring the best, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Let's kill it. For the son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and is now found. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Here's something that I'm learning in my own life. The closer I get to the heart of God, the more music I continue to hear. The more confetti I begin to see. The more dancing I get to experience. Because that's just the God I serve. He really loves it when people are home. It's what really matters to him more than anything else. Shouldn't we be the same? I want to share a story before I do that. Many of you know that we have a puppy. I wanted to show you a picture of her. <laughs> we love this little dog. Little Jersey. I want to keep it up there and want to share with you a story. True story. It's about a youth pastor who wanted to bring this truth that we've been talking about home. So he gathered his youth kids and when he walked into the room, he had a box. It wasn't full of puppies. It was full of kittens. He set the box on the floor and began to pull each one of the kittens out and let them run around the kids. And you can imagine the youth kids went crazy. He let him play and play and play. He finally set the children down and put the kittens back into the box. He pulled out a torch and he lit it. Went back to the box and picked up one of the kittens and held it above the torch. And he began to lower it. Out of the back of the room, a little ninth grade girl stood up and screamed, No! She ran forward, knocking kids down. She grabbed the cat out of the youth pastor's hands, put it in the box, and took all the box and ran out the door. A few kids went with her. The youth pastor instructed, hoping that would be the response, instructed some of his staff volunteer leaders to grab the kids and bring them back. And then he told all the kids still in the room, I got to believe that you knew I would not hurt one of these kittens. I just wanted to make a statement and ask a simple question. Why don't we care about the kids in our schools the way we do about this cat? We seem to be perfectly fine with them being picked up by the devil, holding them over a flame. We seem to complain more about what they're doing and not realizing who they need. We pass by him in the hallways. We see him on the football fields, basketball courts, and he went on and on. And I read that story. Of course, I had to think about the fact that if I was a youth pastor, I'm not sure I would use an illustration like that. It's pretty risky, but it sure makes the point, doesn't it? Do you care about your family, friends? If I took little Jersey and grabbed it behind the neck and just held it over. If I even went through with it, which I would never do, 
I guarantee you I'm not a fighter. I'd beat the crap out of you if you ever did that with my dog. But I will tell you, if I went through with it, every one of you would leave this church. I'm pretty sure none of you would come back. Sometime, not much after the service, the police would show up and they should. And you'd make sure something's done. What kind of cruel man, let alone a pastor, would do that to a dog? And yet God's people let it be done by the devil every day. That's a fact of life. There's a spiritual war going on, people. If we understand joy of the Jesus we have and what he could do to a human life, why would we not be crying out, no, and running to the lost, snatching them out of the devil's hand and running out of the room with them? Because we know what Jesus can do. That should be our heart, people. That should be the church because that's the God we serve, amen? He did that to me, rescued me from a fire that I deserved, but it was the joy set before him. He gave me the greatest gift I could ever have. No wonder heaven gets excited. So we started a series, week one, talking about removing barriers. The way we do that is show up with the bride of Christ and we stay put. We continue to fight together. Week two, we talked about what does it mean to become extraordinary, that you're not just an ordinary person. You've been given incredible gifts to be a friend, to become a force together and to have the faith that God's gonna do something big. Last week, we talked about people lose their way. People get angry, they're hurt. They feel alone, they need hope, the hope of Jesus. And now it's our time to go out with joy set before us because we know how it ends. That's the church I want to be as we go into this fall. I promise you, if we will do that, thousands of people are going to come to know Jesus. I will promise you that. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.